magazines like vinyl, kind of film photography, all of this is making a comeback, I feel, because we grew up with so much technology and this print magazine is a way kind of to break it from that. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings, drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? My name is Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. If you'd like to support episodes like this being made, please check out the show's Patreon page at patreon.com slash half hour intern. In today's episode, we speak with two awesome young women, Tam Lay and Courtney Weddle. They met in college and became good friends and decided to start a magazine together, uh, an independent magazine called Slope and Swell. And I'll let them explain what the magazine is about and what their desire was for the magazine. But I just thought this was a really interesting, cool thing to interview someone about, especially young people, because. I think when we think about young people, we always think about technology and being obsessed with technology. And yet here's two young people that decided that they needed to start a print magazine together. So that's a large part of what we will talk about is kind of uh, the back to analog movement and the desire to have a magazine. So without further ado, here is Indie Magazine creator. Tam, Courtney, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So I think to get started, I before we learn about your magazine and your desire to make your magazine, we have to talk a little bit about magazines in general because you guys are both younger than me. How how old are you guys, by the way? That's a rude question to ask. I'm kidding. Um, I'm 23. Yeah. Yeah, 23 as well. Okay, so this is the thing that's like mind blowing to me. So you guys wanted to make a magazine. You guys are 23 years old. I'm 31 years old, and I haven't read a magazine in like, you know, probably since like highlights when I was a kid or something. And I know that there's a lot more <laughs> magazines that are that are geared towards women than there are that are geared towards men. But I'm sure in the boutique magazine world or, or whatever term you would use for the type of magazine that you're making, it's probably even like like men, women. And I, I guess I didn't even really consider the fact that there was this world of boutique magazines and stuff like that um, that I guess I just didn't see and know about. And then I started thinking about like, man, like vinyl has made this crazy comeback over the past like five or however many years because people want this nice, like tangible thing. So are is this something that like young people are getting more into or is this something that just you guys happen to get into and maybe talk a little bit about like the whole culture and scene that you guys are a part of with magazines. Definitely. I think um, with our architecture background as well, I think there's just like a lot of tools that are available for us to use that make making a magazine and creating kind of this, what seems like an ambitious feat, a lot more accessible just because we have a lot of the tools. So like we have InDesign Photoshop that we're learning in school. Um, and so we have that that we're able to use as well as like I think the whole independent magazine thing is just very like it's creating this relatable area that people can just like pick up a magazine and um it just like relate to it a lot more than those bigger magazines like let's say Vogue or like teen magazine they don't really like hit a specific niche it's like these independent ones kind of bring that to the table yeah, for sure. It's like, does your boyfriend love you? Take this test and find out. And it's like, well, you should probably just ask him. 
Um, <laughs> but I guess yeah, I mean I do more. Think you're... Sorry, go ahead, Tam. I, I do think you're onto something about um, kind of the comeback of print, like not just magazines, like vinyl, kind of film photography. All of this is making a comeback, I feel, because we grew up with so much technology and this print magazine is a way kind of to break it from that because you have this whole different experience when you're reading a book, like tan like this tangible object in your hands, you're feeling, feeling the texture of the pages, you're looking at the ink and you're looking at the photographs and that would not be something you'd experience if you were going to read a magazine um, online or even if all of the more, um, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like the non-boutique magazines, they are, they don't have that same quality. So right. the boutique magazines is, I think it, it like features a specific niche and then people kind of gravitate to it because it's a form of art almost, not just um, the way you get your news. Like it's not so, it's not so um, like easily accessible, I guess. It is more of like a, a like a, a niche that you hit and it's a nicer quality of of everything yeah i mean like it really is like a, a like the photos inside of your magazine are amazing but then it's like everything is cared about like what type of paper are we using like how does this feel in your hand and you know and how does that help the look of the pictures and stuff like that exactly um yeah it's just it's such a, i think this is a question that a lot of people who are in a generation older than you guys or like me who are like a half generation older than you guys where it's like, is there going to be this huge reversion back the other way of like a push against technology? Because Courtney, like all those things that you were mentioning of, um, oh, well, we have all these skill sets to be able to make these awesome designs. So we kind of like, you know, we want to use those things. And it's like, well, that's cool. But you could also just do it for free with a blog online, like tons of other people. You don't have to make a magazine with those designs. You could just throw them up on a website and the fact that you want to do something like this, I love, like, I, it's funny. I remember <laughs> a couple years after Facebook became like really mainstream, I was never really that into it anyways. But then like a couple years after it became mainstream, I remember my mom got on it. And I remember thinking to myself, like, well, here we go. Like, this is the death of, of Facebook. Like my mom got on it. Like, how can something be cool? <laughs> that my And she's listening to this right now. So I feel really bad. So I, my mom is the coolest, just so everyone knows. Like, my mom rules, you know? But it doesn't change the fact that it's your mom, you know? So it's like, okay, my mom, who is in her 50s at the time, knows about this thing and wants to use this thing. There is a 0% chance kids in their 20s are going to want to use something that people in their 50s and 60s want to use. Like, that's just not happening. And sure enough, like, it did not go away. Like, I was ready for this backlash, and then there never was this backlash. And it's like I'm, I've still just been kind of waiting for uh, younger generations to start using technology less than older generations, you know, rather than more. Um, so I, I don't know. Do, would you guys see that in like you guys met in college? Would, would you guys see that with other people in school? Um, like, Tam, you were mentioning like the, you know, just how nice it is to have a book and things like that. Um, is there like any sort of feeling of like uh, a rebellion against technology? I don't know. That's interesting to comment because the, on one end, I do think people are appreciating the more tangible art forms like film, print, magazines, all of that. But then again, you're also seeing like five-year-olds with iPhones and iPads. So I really don't know <laughs> what the answer is to that. I you know, know, I know. I, they, they're like, if anybody, they have to be the generation that really rebels. I would have to imagine like, 
they get an iPad in their hand when they're like three years old, to, so that way their parents can have like a quiet dinner. Like one day they're just gonna like throw the iPad on the ground and be like, "No yeah. more, no more iPad." Give me a coloring book. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, all right, well, let's talk a little bit about your magazine. So, um, I guess tell us. Ex- you touched on it a little bit, Tam, but if you want to tell us a little bit more about your desire of making a magazine and why why you guys for sure were like this should be a magazine and this should not just be a website sure well um we wanted a way to integrate and showcase design and travel um going to architecture school courtney and i um, loved doing both those things and we have a love for magazines and layouts and presentations like i i can speak for myself. Like I, my favorite part about architecture school was probably the end when I was laying out the boards and just communicating an idea. And I loved that in a book form. Um, and I love like everything to that, like layouts, photography, um, the style of it. And I personally also have always really liked writing. So it just seems like a good fit to have a print magazine with yeah. like, do you have anything to add to that court? Yeah, definitely. Like I am on the same page, love to do like all the photography, the layouts and that sort of stuff. And then um, just to interact with the people that we get to is awesome. Like we get to talk to architects who just their design is fabulous and like photographers who are um, just their work is beautiful. And then we get to ask them all these questions that we otherwise probably wouldn't have been able to if we were not creating a magazine. It's just kind of like a win-win for everybody that's involved with it. Totally. God, it's so funny. This is a piece of advice that no one has ever given on the show before. And I'm surprised now that no one's ever given it on the show before, but about like creating a, uh, I mean a magazine or, or a website or a podcast like, like I have and stuff. I, it's like the amount of people that I've met since I have the podcast that are now like quote unquote in my network is huge. And, And granted I'm 31 years old now. So it's like, I already, I've already like uh, made a name for myself in like the work world in in the industry that I originally wanted to go into and stuff like that. So it's easier to for me to get a job, um, anyways. But if you're just coming out of college, it's not that easy to get a job in the industry that you want to get a job in. Like it's just not that easy. So God, like what an awesome thing to make all these contacts. Because when you tell someone like, "Hey, I want to interview you and put it in this thing," like most people say yes. Like they're like, Oh, I'd be honored. Like that'd be really cool. You know, unless the person is like at the absolute top of the food chain or something. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's been great being able to talk with all these different people and, um, just kind of share all these stories. And then we in turn, like having them in the magazine, we share that with other people and other people get inspired. So it's been a good feeling. Yeah. So tell us about the name slope and swell. Is that like mountains and the ocean or what? Um, Well, slope is used in technical and design terms in architecture. So it kind of takes the design aspect of it. And then swell is, you know, like the movement of the ocean. Um, It's more nature, like it takes the aspect of nature. And then everything in between, when we say slope and swell in architecture, we do like elevations that like, show from top to bottom and in a sense that's kind of how slope and swell is it's from top to bottom we're encompassing everything um yeah, yeah. and it also like- worked out that courtney's from colorado and typically like in the mountains and i'm from california and that's typically the ocean so that kind of just worked out mm-hmm. yeah so it's also kind of like we have the slope which is at fourteen thousand feet to the swell which is at zero 
So it's covering everything of travel in between that, as well as like architecture, design, photography, art. So we're kind of have this huge range as well. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's such an, I God, like the photos that you guys have in there are just like so beautiful. It's, um, it's such an interesting thing because someone might not be that into, uh, or have no idea or background about architecture, but they're a surfer and they love your magazine, or they might uh, be really into architecture and not really care much about the ocean and love your ma- like. I feel like if you just like nice looking things, then you would really like your, it's a, like. Uh, do you like looking at pleasing things? Like, okay, you like enjoy looking at this thing because it's all really pleasing to look at. You know, it's uh. It's just like one of those nice things. Do you, so are you guys the ones taking all the photos? Are you guys the one writing everything? Do you guys have contributors? How do you find contributors? How do you pay contributors? Do you not pay contributors? Talk to us about all that. Yeah, so, um, well, we both obviously share passion in photography. So we try to get out there and take as many photos as we can. But there's some aspects of it that it's just we can admit that there's so much Uh, so many awesome photographers out there so we like to get them involved as well and then that also kind of opens up a door to their network as well as ours and then we get to showcase some of their work so that's awesome so we try to get as many contributors as we can um yeah yeah so far a lot of people who've contributed have voluntarily contributed mostly because they they just want to be a part of something like this you know we've gotten such positive feedback about people wanting to like share their passions and um, share their creative lifestyles and so they're more than happy to contribute and we love that we want more contributors we want people to submit their stories and their ideas and everything Um, it's also been a case-by-case basis so um, some more like established photographers who have certain fees will like work with us to talk about a payment plan or um, just work that out but yeah it's kind of dependent so far on the content yeah, because I mean, you guys can't be working with a lot of money yet. You guys are 23 years old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have a small budget. So it's been very interesting to work with that and kind of see, learn and see how that works in this entire scheme of things. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely been like a huge part of it as well. Like we just really jumped right in and it's been such a learning process from the beginning. So working with contributors, I mean, I can be pretty honest. When we first started, we didn't really know it was a thing that you would pay your photographers for such and such. But then we kind of started working with people and learning the ropes and um, so definitely got that feedback from some people. And so we're trying to like contribute, like get some more like budget for photography to like include uh, stronger photographers as well too. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, I would love to know about your guys' work-life balance since you guys started this because uh, you guys both have jobs like like other day jobs on the side of doing this is this basically like all you do now in your free time i wish (laughs) (laughs) yeah as a passion project yeah definitely so much more than that and we're hoping like it will it could eventually become a full-time thing because we'd love to work on this and um write stories and talk to people and run a magazine business but it is difficult i do have um a daytime job at an architecture firm so it's a challenge to balance that sometimes but it's not too hard because i work during the day and then i come home work on the magazine a little bit skype courtney talk about um like food and stuff and then we talk about our magazine (laughs) (laughs) yeah you gotta have your priorities straight 
definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so talk to us about getting the magazine started and, and I guess like kind of figuring things out. Like how did you find uh, like who you wanted to print the magazine for you? And, uh, and like, I guess just other sorts of partners that you needed to work with to be able to make like the very first uh, issue come out. Yeah. So what we wanted to do, it um, try to do it as sustainably as we could. So we talked to a lot of local printing companies because that would uh, limit our cost of shipping the magazine to us after it was printed. And then it also reduced our carbon footprint. So we talked to a lot of San Diego companies because that's where Tam was out of. And, um, so we talked about the pricing types of paper, types of printing, we and then, a lot of proofs we made, we were pretty careful about that. We were like, we want to see it like in person first before we even mm. commit to anything. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. At one point I ended up receiving a envelope in the mail in New Zealand from Tam in San Diego of a bunch of different paper samples from the company <laughs> we ended up choosing. So it was a hundred percent the whole time, like how the paper felt and smelled and how you would interact with it. So that was really important to find a printing company as well. Yeah, we definitely learned a lot about paper. <laughs> Did you guys find that local companies were able to compete with online companies in terms of price? Like if you were actually going to like assure them your business and stuff, was it actually like pretty competitive? Um, yeah. So we did try out some online companies and we tried out some local companies and we found that most of it, the rates were the same. If not, we would have rather have the local companies because the online companies just had a different quality and sometimes their options were limited. Right. For sure. For yeah. sure. And then for your first magazine ever, how did you decide what like the final kind of not, not exactly content yet, but just like the layout and the flow of the magazine and like, are we going to do interviews? Are we going to like, what sorts of pieces are we going to have in? What's going to go where? And, and like all that kind of stuff. How did you figure all that out? Well, a lot of um, industry re research is how I would say it. We gathered so many independent magazines and boutique magazines. We are just huge, like have a huge collection of all of those. <laughs> So we kind of look how other people did it and other magazine companies did it and then kind of refine our style from there. And we, yeah, we just, took what we liked and then kind of twisted it with our style. And we're both just like, we have both revolver styles around simplicity. So we knew that was going to be a key factor and we love large photos. So a lot of the layouts just consist of large photos with a lot of detail, which we love. I love and it. Then, yeah. And then so... And then we also kind of like the flow and mix of um, kind of the layout and how you read it from front cover to back cover is it's kind of designed like a book. So we intend, I guess it's kind of intended that you would read it front to back um, and then we would mix in. So you're reading like a story about architecture and then interior design and then maybe a travel story and then something about furniture design from one of our creators. So it's intended to like mix it up as you're reading through it. And, um, yeah, so that way you kind of can either choose to skip around or just read from front to back. So now you guys either are, have you guys just finished up your set? Like on your website, there's pre-orders for the second issue is, have you guys actually basically finished it at this point? Or are you still working on it? Yeah. Volume two is done. Um, the print should be coming in sometime next week, so it'll be ready um, for order by Wednesday, I want to say. 
uh, for actual order. So yeah, it's done. We're kind of just playing the waiting game right now, but it's ready to go. Okay. Uh, how long did the first, it, like getting all the content and everything together for the, so obviously there was a ton of, of pre-work, I'm sure, uh, for the for the first one of like, you know, like you said, like finding paper, finding a printer, stuff like that. But just in terms of gathering content, like reaching out to people, figuring out who could actually put work into this thing. How long did it take you to make the first magazine? And then how long did it take you to make the second one? It's definitely a drastic difference. So our first <laughs> one took us close to probably six months, um, maybe a little bit longer. And that was organize every, organizing everything from getting our business started. So that included like getting the trademark together and our website and the content. So it took us about six All months. Of these forms, accounts, um, everything that we didn't really think about. Like, it definitely took a little bit of longer longer of a time to factor that into the first volume. And we were a little nervous because we promised people we were going to be a triannual print. And we're like, it just took us six months, half a year, to <laughs> one volume. How yeah. are we going to do three of these in a year? But then we gained a little bit of confidence for our second volume and crushed it together in three months. So that was pretty nice. Wow, that's great. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. It's, uh, the process almost never stops. Like we're like volume two hasn't really officially been out on shelves yet, but we're already thinking about volume three and, you know, already starting to think about what could that consist of and what can, like who can start contributing to that and all of that. So it's kind of a continual process. And how many pages are each of the volumes? Um, it's about 150. So it's a little bit of a, it's a thicker magazine, like hybrid coffee book, um, print magazine type of thing. Yeah, I can't imagine like trying to price something like that and not being like a, a print house. Like these are twenty dollars a piece. I'm just trying to think of how you can even break even on that. And obviously like not be paying yourselves like at all. But just like even just paying for the freaking paper and stuff, like and and then if you have any contributors, like I mean, that's uh it's it's hard to be like an independent person and to make anything but something like that for 20 bucks just sounds really difficult yeah it's definitely a challenge um we're still learning along the way so it's just our second volume so we're still learning and there's a lot of opportunities out there where we can um get involved with and we're looking for distributors and so we're kind of open to anything at this point and tuning our process from here like nothing's really set in stone yeah for sure um how did you guys pick out a price? Did you basically just look at other magazines and, and think like, this is what other boutique magazines are doing. This is what we should do too. Um, yeah, definitely in a sense we did do that, like kind of see what competitors were going for and then would base it around that and how much people would probably buy it for. That's initially how it started. And then just kind of talking to our friends, one of my friends ended up being in finance and does that for companies and sets prices so he helped us out a lot and helped us kind of manage okay well you're spending this much on packaging and this much on shipping and this much on the paper for printing your magazine so this is probably a good price for you to sell it at and still make a profit on in order to make another volume mm. so even just kind of our friends that were associated with they helped us create the magazine as well like help set up the pricing and everything that's so great um yeah we're, sorry go ahead 
Uh, we're really lucky. We had um, a lot of people who were willing to help us. Like we had a mentor, one of our professors from college who taught us a business class, sat down with us and um, kind of walked us through everything, like try to determine our value and our quality and what would be the matching price. Mm, that's good. That's God, like just so nice to have people like that. Um, what about on the sales and marketing side? Like how it, have you guys also used uh, other people to help with that? Or have you guys just been trying to spread the word yourselves because you're in love with your magazine? And then like, how do you get anyone to actually carry the magazine? Well, a lot of it has been um, word of mouth, definitely. Like, we have a lot of people who know about the project, just spreading the word and telling people. And then we just personally reached out to places where we think we, our magazine could be a good fit. And we also ask um, our readers to give us suggestions on where you think, where they think our magazine could be a good fit. And, and then from there, we reach out to them and they carry us there. And then people who go into that store see the magazine and they like it and they go from there. Like we've had a few people reach out to us telling us that they saw our magazine in so-and-so store and they really liked it and they really liked what we're doing and they want to um, order more or like get involved. So that's kind of how it's been spreading. And we're hoping that it'll continue. We want to continue reaching out to more stores and more, um, more people who are on the same pages as where they have this appreciation for design and travel and print. Totally. I mean, yeah, that's gotta be so much more useful than let's say like buying facebook ads or something like that in addition to the fact that it's basically free if the person just wants <laughs> to stock it but like yeah you know you're getting so many more people actually truly looking at the magazine that they care and that you know like you said like might reach out to you or something like that versus just trying to spread the word online has got to be a lot more difficult have you have you tried spreading the word online anywhere and, and what sort of feedback have you seen from that Oh, yeah. Well, we have an online presence in, on Instagram and Facebook. And I know Court has um, tried out some Facebook ads, right? Yeah, we definitely have tried out some Facebook ads, but I don't know if our, our strongest suit. So I think yeah, like, so we're still learning. Yeah, definitely. I think our strongest thing um, would just be like building a relationship with store owners of retail stores and having them like really push, push our magazine. And then just like building a relationship with kind of just anybody in the industry. Because once you kind of get in that architecture industry and people are talking about it, I think that really helps push our magazine as well. Yeah. And not only yeah. a sense of selling it, but also like getting those con like contributors and people to talk to that also have a huge network behind them that can spread the word as well. For sure. Have you guys tried just giving them to local coffee shops and stuff like popular coffee shops? Just like, Hey, can I just leave one of these here? Yeah, yeah actually. Um, so in our first volume, we featured a few coffee shops. And so at each of those coffee shops that was featured in the article, I left a copy there. And then that oh, kind of sparked awesome. some interest. And um, there's a few other places who wanted to buy a copy for their place. Like I know, um, like a gym that I used to go to bought a copy and they, they wanted to buy a subscription and just leave their coffee. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, they wanted to just leave their magazine on their coffee table in their lobby so that guests could see it. So we do try to leave it at various places just to yeah. get, get more um, exposure. there's definitely a few copies in some coffee shops so if you're ever over over on that side of the world <laughs> that's yeah great. you'll see it so question have you guys run into this yet and is it something you would think about going forward i uh was just speaking with a uh local arizona uh beer brewer 
the other day. And actually, I'm going to be interviewing him later on this afternoon. But anyways, um, when I was talking to him, he was speaking about sales and marketing and stuff like that and how he thought it was really important to not just like their beer is getting more and more popular out here. And he's like, you know, I think it's really important not to just be selling our beer to like everyone who asked for it, because like now we're getting more people calling us and asking for the beer. And he's like, even before we have more people calling us and asking for the beer, I would always be very specific about like what bars and restaurants and things like I would go to, to even try to sell the beer to. And, um, and he's like, we hired a sales guy and the sales guy had like a sales mindset and a sales background. And he just went to everyone and he's like, we ended up selling a lot, but he's like, I actually ended up telling him to like, you know, you need to stop this. Like you need to stop (laughs) going to just like everyone. Like if you guys had a, has this already happened to you? And then if you had some sort of, uh, coffee shop or doctor's office or like something like that call you that you were just like i don't know like that's not really the kind of the place that we want this being seen um is that something you would care about or is it more like hey we're happy if it's like anywhere and you never know who's going to be reading it so it's all good yeah that's definitely happened this has been like such a huge topic with tam and i we're pretty picky about where it is shown just i mean that's almost the number one issue where we haven't really reached out to any distributors is because we want it to be sold in the right kind of environment and with the right kind of retail stores and such so that we do like maintain a certain image as opposed to just having it everywhere. And then I think if a magazine is kind of everywhere, it has that non-boutique feel. So we definitely try to surround our magazine with products that we also support. Yeah. That's yeah, great. it's definitely a balance. Like right now, because we're so small, we're, it's like, well, do we want it everywhere right now just to gain more exposure? But it is important to us to have it in the right places, like Courtney was saying. And have you guys found ways to get advertisements into the magazine? Or is that something that you plan to do? Yeah, this is also definitely a hot topic. So <laughs> yeah, we uh, definitely it is selling for like $20. And I think part of the appeal is that it doesn't come with any ads because once you throw ads in, it's you're just all of a sudden flipping past ad, ad, ad to get to a story, which is, in my personal opinion, semi-annoying. But at the same time, it's like if we styled ads into our magazine that fit with our appearance and vibe and are advertising a company that we also support, then that would be great. What types of companies would even fit in that regard for you guys? Because that's the difficult part about just, you know, uh, having nice pleasing looking things it's like i'm trying to think of like what companies would would be like a really good fit like partner wise like that like who who do you guys think well we're thinking like outdoor companies who maybe design their products really well like um you know like a water bottle let's say that is sustainable and has a great aesthetically pleasing design but also promotes outdoor adventure like something like that could fit um you know maybe another partner go ahead yeah, on the other end, it could be even just like um, an interior design shop that wants to direct more traffic to their site. So they want to put an ad in there. So instead of doing an interview on the company, we would um, just put like a beautiful image of one of the homes that they've designed. Mm, yeah, for sure. Site. Yeah, I have a little blurb about them. Good call. I like that. Um, all right, you guys, let's start to wind this thing down a little bit. Uh, what is one thing that you guys wish that you knew before you got started with this? Like you said that your, you know, your first issue took you six months. This most recent one was only three. 
Like, what are some things that you feel like would have helped you out a lot had you known before <laughs> you started down this path? <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe how expensive everything is. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I mean, at 23 years old, I don't know if that's just because we're young and starting a business or if that's with everybody. But from what I've heard, it's like, it's just so expensive to just start knocking out. Like you have like your trademark, your website, your programs, like Adobe programs that you have to buy monthly. Like it's just all adds up. So yeah, definitely that would have been a nice consideration. Yeah. There's a lot of things that we didn't know that, you know, like there, that goes into it, you know, like you had to fill out trademark forms. You have to fill out like LLC forms. So you have to fill out like bank account forms. So you have to fill out this kind of form and we had to figure out accounting. We had to figure out like programs and all of that. And it was, it's a lot to know. So um, definitely we had, we had to learn a lot. We just jumped right in and had to figure it out. Yeah. It's frustrating and hard that the government doesn't have an easier version of these things for people that are just trying to get their feet wet, sort of, you know, it's like right. the fact that you could like, or would need to, if you really wanted to like, you know, trademark and maybe make an LLC and all these things. And it's like, well, also a a place bringing in $500 million a year could be an LLC and it needs to trademark their stuff. And it's like, how is there not something for just a person trying something out who's like, look, I don't even know if this thing's going to be around like three years from now. <laughs> like, I don't know. You know, I'm just trying to like figure out my life and like what's up. Right. Like there should be some sort of like, you know, halfway measure that allows you to kind of like protect your your assets and stuff and like, you know, protect your business but not, you don't have to do the exact same stuff as somebody that has a large business. Yeah, there's really no way to just like, you know, dip your toe in the water. You just have to really jump right in. But I think that's also the beauty of it is that like the way that we prepared to make our own company was just starting to do it. Like we just started ticking away at everything we needed to do. And once we were done with one challenge, there was another one. But that's the beauty of it. It's like you just keep taking it as it goes. So. Absolutely. What's Definitely been the, gonna... sorry, go ahead, Courtney. Oh no, no, you go ahead. I was going to ask what's been the best part about everything. For me, it's easily the people that you get to talk to. It's just so inspiring. Yeah, same. yeah. You have like a mutual passion. Like we reach out to people with architecture, photography, art, and then you have that mutual passion and then, um, they just get going about it. And it's just so inspiring to like feel how passionate they are. And then it reminds me that, like what I want to do and create this magazine to voice their passion. So I think for me, it's the best thing is to just talk to people. It's also great to get positive feedback on the other end from our readers who um, they really enjoy reading the stories or they, they also want to contribute their passionate um, interests and whatnot. So that's been a great part of it as well. That's so cool. There's like, there's nothing like the first time that someone that you don't know reaches out to you and you're just like, holy shit, like you found, you found the thing. Like, this is amazing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We definitely got super excited and we got our first order from someone we didn't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was like, how did you find us? How did you know about us? Yeah. 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 I remember like when I first started the podcast, it's like, you know, my mom and my sister and my friends and then and then my friends friends and stuff like that like telling me oh like i really like this like this is a good idea i like this format and it's like yeah like you're my mom's friend like you know you kind of like what else are you gonna say you know and then like when somebody that you don't know says that they like what you're doing it's like all right great like you have you have no skin in the game like there's no reason for you to say that you know and yet you said it anyways it's so great yeah um 
All right, guys. So let's uh, let's finish this thing up with where people can get a copy. Go ahead and plug your website, all of that. And uh, any like parting words of advice that you would like to give someone if they wanted to try to do something like this? Um, well, you, everyone can find us on our website at slopeandswellmag.com. Um, you can buy copies there. There's, we also have a list of stockists on the website, so you can see if they're in any of your cities. Um, and then we're also on Instagram and Facebook under Slope and Swell, so they can find us there too. Um, yeah. Anything to add, Court? Yeah, well, maybe some of the cities. You can find us in San Diego, LA, uh, SF, New Zealand, um, Wanaka specifically. And then we are in Stockholm, Sweden, as well as in Japan. So that's pretty exciting. Oh, I love it. Yeah, so find us globally. (laughs) (laughs) And then if, I don't know, like if we had advice for anybody, I think it would just be, just go for it. Like, I think a lot of the times people are scared of all of these unknowns that they're not even willing to try, but you're never going to know unless you jump right in and make, maybe make mistakes and just learn and reach out and don't don't be scared just go for it totally love it love it good stuff guys um well man this has been so awesome thank you guys both so much for coming on the show and yeah i can't recommend enough that people at the very least like follow your instagram or something it's it's all like i said really really pleasing to look at so when you're looking at like (laughs) just a whole bunch of like crazy other stuff in your feed every now and then you'll get some really nice beautiful images that pop up so yeah (laughs) thanks Blake. Uh, thanks so much you guys thanks for having us Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on iTunes. I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, Just search for the show on iTunes, click on it, click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well. Or tell a friend about the show or something. And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have, head on over to halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ideas for the show, be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview, a particular field that you would like to hear about, or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show. Thanks so much for listening, you guys.